Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to The Jar. My name is Chris, and we're so glad you chose to hang out with us today. And I'd like to begin this morning uh, by simply being able to celebrate all of our fantastic fathers. So if you are a granddad or a great-granddad or a dad or you are a foster dad or a stepdad or adoptive dad or you are some other kind of dad that I don't know of that's on that list. Uh, if you would, I'd like you to please stand just for a moment. So all the dads, please stand and let's give them a hand. Now, uh, you guys stay standing just for a second. Uh, these uh, dads are dads who love God and they want to be able to love their kids and honor them. And so um, all of the dads, before you leave today, in fact, all of the men in the church, uh, you're going to receive a little Swiss Army knife uh, that comes in a nice little package like this. You can put it on your keychain or if you want, uh, leave it in your car. Uh, but we want all of you to get one of those. And um, if you would, let's just all give a hand once again uh, for all of our dads. Woo! Here for the dads. Okay, guys, you may be seated, and uh, I'd just like to uh, pray for you right now, specifically for our dads, that uh, God would move in your role as a dad um, as you continue the days, weeks, months, years, decades ahead. Let's pray. Well, God, thank you so much for being such a good, good father to us, that you love us so much that you're always present and you are a dad who loves in all ways. In fact, uh, Jesus called you Abba, which means daddy, that you are that close to us. And God, right now, I thank you for all the dads of the jar. I pray that they would become more and more like your son Jesus as the days and weeks and months and years and decades go. Give them your wisdom and your strength to be the dad that you've called them to be. Be with those dads of infants and children. Give them wisdom on how to raise their children in a way that honors you. And give them the gifts of patience and listening because that age can be so difficult. For those dads of adult children, God, we pray that you would protect their kids and you would help them to know how to walk beside them uh, in this point of parenting. And some dads um, are here today and maybe their kids are estranged to them. They don't talk to their kids very much and their kids don't talk to them. They want maybe little or nothing to do with them. So I pray, God, that you would bring healing in those relationships. God, I pray that you would turn the hearts of those particular children back to their fathers. God, uh, some dads are sitting here today or maybe they're watching on the stream and they've made some big mistakes. And I pray, God, that you would remind them right now in Jesus' name that they're forgiven, that you don't want them to carry any of that further. And I pray, God, that you would challenge them today that if they need to make a phone call to be the one who asks for forgiveness or make things right, God, that you would do that. Father, I'm also reminded that there are people who are here today who are experiencing Father's Day 
for the first time without their dad. God, would your grace and mercy comfort them. Loving Father, we just ask that you would give each of our dads your divine wisdom to be the best dad that they can be beginning this Father's Day 2022. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this past fall, our uh, family for fall break took our girls to Washington, D.C., And we went to the Lincoln Memorial, and Lincoln was that powerful person that helped uh, the Emancipation Proclamation take place. We celebrate Juneteenth today and tomorrow to celebrate uh, that evil of slavery being gone and people having freedom in their life. We also went to the Thomas Jefferson Memorial. We went to the Washington Monument. We went to the White House. We looked at the Capitol. And we enjoyed all of Washington, D.C., but probably the day that I enjoyed the most is when we went out to Mount Vernon, which was the home of our first president, uh, George Washington. And as we walked where Washington walked, I started thinking about uh, some of the relationships that Washington had forged. Relationships with his family and friends, with colleagues, with Uh, you know, world leaders, and also even with people that were his servants and his slaves. And I thought a little bit about uh, all of the good things that Washington did and some of the not-so-good things that Washington did. And I started thinking about all of the relationships that he had made because Washington was just like you and me. He had some relationships that were very good. He had some relationships that were bad. And he had some relationships that were ugly because the truth of it is this is us. This is all of us. And so today, as we begin a brand new series called This Is Us, what we're going to do over these next five weeks is to focus on relationships. You know, I have a feeling that if you ask most people, what is the greatest source of joy in your life, they would say relationships. The relationship with their spouse, the relationship with their parents, the relationship with their kids. On the other hand, I think if you ask people this question, what's the greatest source of pain in your life, what do you think they would say? Relationships, right? Relationships. I mean, when relationships go south, and they often do, when they go south, it can be the most painful thing that happens in our life. When parents become cold-hearted towards us, or when we go through the sting of a divorce, or we go through the betrayal in a marriage, or we go through some kind of struggle with one of our kids that rebels and runs away and wants absolutely nothing to do with us, it can be painful. Because there is nothing in this world that matters most to us than relationships, both for better or for worse. So today, as we're launching into this new uh, series called This Is Us, uh, for many of you who are big-time readers, and those of you on the stream as well, if you're a big-time reader, I would strongly encourage you to get this book called Boundaries. It's a resource that I use for this series, but for many things in my life. 
And uh, it's written by uh, two great Christian authors, uh, Henry Cloud and John Townsend. And we'll be looking at this concept of boundaries in relationships over the next few weeks. Now today, specifically, what I want to talk to you about is uh, love. And people, no matter who they are, hunger for love. We all want to be loved. In fact, it's a central need in our human condition. And when Jesus came to planet Earth, he kind of gave an understanding of love that had never been given before. It had such a profound effect on our culture. And it would explain, kind of like today, what we want to talk about is how we receive that love from God, and then also how we give that love away to other people. In fact, John, one of Jesus' closest friends, wrote these words about love. He said, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his Son, his one and only Son, into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. And that word atoning simply means a payment. He took our place for the sin in our lives. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You know, many of us love objects or people because they are lovable or they're lovely or they're worthy of love. For example, I was thinking to myself, I love Muncie. I love Delaware County. I love East Central Indiana. I love where I live. I love Minnetrista and looking at the flowers. I love Prairie Creek Reservoir and going out there. I love the Cardinal Greenway and riding uh, bikes with my family uh, on it. I love Amazing Joe's. You know why? Because it's amazing. Okay? And I love Kamak Station. And I love Pizza King. And I ring the king a lot. You know? It's one of those things that we love. And we also love... The fact that we live in a community where we have things like Ball Hospital and Ball State, huge employers, and Ball Foundation. We love beauty and people who are gorgeous. We love great intelligence. We love great leaders. We love great athletes. Human love really does seek value in what is loved. Human love really does seek value in what is love. Now, this is not a bad thing. We, we all know that. But there is another kind of love, folks. And that's what we want to talk about today. There is another kind of love that is much more difficult for us to explain. When my youngest daughter, uh, Jordan, or uh, Shiloh, sorry, my oldest daughter is Jordan. Okay, get that right. Uh, when my uh, youngest daughter, Shiloh, was born, she got this blanket. And uh, she loves this blanket. 
and you can see it's kind of tattered there, but uh, this blanket uh, is something that she lovingly named Bumpy. And with Bumpy, Bumpy goes everywhere. I had permission to bring Bumpy today. We had to, you know, do some documents to make sure it wouldn't be damaged. But uh, Bumpy's here. And she took Bumpy everywhere, no matter where she went. When she got up in the morning, she would have Bumpy with her. When she'd go in the car, Bumpy was with her. When she went to bed at night, Bumpy went with her. One time she took Bumpy into the bathtub, and uh, Bumpy went with her there. Bumpy went everywhere she went because Bumpy was loved. And in fact, Bumpy has actually been to church before today, and Bumpy has better church attendance than some of you. Just saying, okay? That's what Bumpy is. Well, one spring break, uh, we went to Florida, and Bumpy went with us because Bumpy is a part of the family. And uh, the last day of our trip, we get all packed up, we put everything in the rental car, we're heading to the airport, we get to the airport, I'm getting ready to turn the car in, when all of a sudden, from the back seat, this is what I hear, Daddy, I left Bumpy! And sure enough, she had. We looked all around, we couldn't find it, and we're like, where did you leave Bumpy? She said, I left Bumpy in the airport, or in in the hotel, and we're like, but we're at the airport. I'm sorry, Daddy, please get Bumpy. And so uh, Jennifer gets on the phone, she goes ahead and she calls the hotel, sure enough, they have Bumpy, and Bumpy is 30 minutes away from the airport, and me going back to get Bumpy and to come back probably meant that I was going to miss the plane. But Bumpy's a part of the family. We could not leave Bumpy. And so uh, I rushed to the hotel. I get there. They have Bumpy ready for me. I get Bumpy. We get back in the car. We take off. We're driving. But now all of a sudden, it's rush hour in the morning. It's bumper-to-bumper traffic. There's no way I'm going to be able to make it until I look up and I notice in the left-hand lane this sign carpools only two or more persons per vehicle so i took the seat belt and i put it on bumpy and i start driving with bumpy beside me and we get in the carpool lane and we're taking off in the carpool lane three miles and we finally get to the airport and i unbuckle bumpy and i take bumpy with me and we run into the airport and we're running all the way and we get to the gate and we get up to the door and the door is closed and there was a airport executive person there and i said Uh, Man, my family's already on the plane. I need to get on there. And they're like, no, 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 no. Once the FAA has rules, once that door is closed, you do not get on the jet bridge, the sky bridge. You're stuck right here, sir. I'm sorry. And that's when all of a sudden I started telling her the story about Bumpy. And I tell this story about Bumpy and what happened. And pretty soon this grown lady, this high-level executive starts bawling in front of me. She goes, my dad, one time I left Bumpy in Canada and we were in the United States in Detroit and he went all the way back to get my blanket. And sir, I don't know what it's going to take, but you're going to get on that plane. And pretty soon she starts making these phone calls and all this kind of stuff. And I'm sitting there with Bumpy like, hey, we might get in. 
And then they take us to the jet bridge and they're like, you're able to get in. And we walked through the jet bridge and Shiloh was crying and my, my family was all there. And I walked in and, and word had spread that Bumpy had been lost, but now he had been found. And the entire plane started celebrating Bumpy. And we got back to Indiana just fine. Now, folks, this is what I want you to know. Shiloh loves this blanket with a love that makes Bumpy precious to anybody who loves Shiloh. If you love Shiloh, then you have to love this kind of ragged, kind of torn blanket. Both come together. Now, Every single one of you know what I'm talking about if you're in a family. Because the reality is, there is a doll or a teddy bear or a ratty pillow. And its value to your family or someone in your family is priceless. Folks, there is a love that seeks value in what is loved. There is a love that looks for what is lovely and beautiful and intelligent and smart and gives us success. But there is a love that seeks value in what is love. But also, there is a love that actually creates value in another person. There is a love that creates value in what is loved. Ragged little blankets, tattered Teddy bears, cheap little dolls, crummy old pillows, and maybe, just maybe, you and me as well. And this kind of leads us to our big idea this morning, and it's your first fill-in. Both of you uh, on the stream and here today, you can put it on your app, or you can write it in in the program, and it's this. Human love seeks value God's love creates value. Human love seeks value, but God's love actually creates value. There's a wonderful uh, Christian writer, G.K. Chesterton, um, almost a century ago, who wrote uh, many things, but he has this one powerful quote around love, and it says this. There is... The great lesson of beauty and the beast, that a thing must be loved before it is lovable. That a thing must be actually loved before it is lovable. And folks, that's our problem. Our problem is I must be loved before I am lovable. There's something within me that has to be loved before I am lovable. And this was the revolution that Jesus brought to planet Earth that the world had never known before. That people could actually be loved before they were lovable. And Jesus came and he began the revolution and it continued on in this small little kind of ragtag group of people called the church. And then it went out into the farthest parts of the world. In fact, it's the reason why we're here today. It's the reason you're on the stream today. It's the reason we ache because love is a part of a human condition that we might actually be loved even before we're lovable. 
So let's go back to John, uh, the guy who wrote our scripture this morning. I don't know if some of you knew this or not, but this guy named John actually was one of Jesus' disciples. He picked 12 guys to change the world, and John was one of them. And John kind of got a little nickname. His nickname was uh, the one whom Jesus loved. Now, of course, Jesus loved all of his disciples. He was a master at the art of love. But in particular, John took a different kind of perspective of this love. Now, most likely, John was the youngest of all the disciples. We know that um, from most of Scripture, that he was more than likely one of the youngest. Now, in that day... Um, It was very different than our day today. In that day, if you were young, you lacked status. And part of what John would have understood as he stood around these grown men, and he was the youngest, that he was the least mature disciple. He was the least strategic disciple. He was the one who really didn't have much to offer. He would know that he was the least valued disciple. It's kind of like, I get it, I understand it, I'm bumpy. I'm ragged, I'm torn, and I don't have much value. I mean, there's not much value to what is ragged and torn. And yet, and yet, Jesus actually called me the disciple who he loved. I know I'm the youngest, and I don't know how I earned it, Because I don't deserve it, but somehow, even though I didn't earn, I didn't deserve it, he loved me because I was the one whom Jesus loved. Now, John writes, as the early church did, about this other kind of love. He called it another kind of love, a love of another kind. And it was so striking to the rest of the world that they had to find a word, an old Greek word, for what this kind of love entailed. And the word is called agape. Agape. And that's your next fill-in, which which kind of equals love. It's not just any kind of love, but it is an unconditional, sacrificial type love. Of love, a, a type of love that comes straight from the heart of God to his people. It always has the best interest of everyone else rather than themselves and doesn't expect anything in return. Simply put, agape is the idea of love of another kind. It's love that looks different than what we understand of any other kind of uh, Phrasing that may may be called love. It's love of another kind. A love that doesn't seek what's going to be valued, but it actually creates value in the person. So, Jesus took this ragtag kind of group of people that were tattered, his disciples. He made them his best friends. And then the church continued to be this place that would value people even before they were ever valuable. They loved them before they were lovable. Now, John wants us to understand this type of love. And so he begins all of this with these words, dear friends, let us love one another. 
And that word love there is agape. Let us love unconditionally. Let us love sacrificially. Let us put other people above ourselves. Let us love in such a way that it creates value in each and every human being that we ever lock eyes with. And it was this kind of agape type of love that the world was able to finally answer the question. The question being this, what's a human being worth? What is a human being worth? Now, if you want to know... Um, what the worth of a house is, uh, what the value of a house is, it depends, right? It depends on the size of the house. It depends on where the house is located. It depends on what the house kind of looks like. And uh, I kind of was thinking about it, like what are values of different houses? And while I was preparing uh, for this, I looked up and I found a thousand square foot house in San Diego on the ocean. Anybody want to take a guess what the value of a thousand square foot house? 1.8 million. 1.8 million, 1,000 foot square house. In Muncie, Indiana, you can get a really nice 1,000 square foot house for $75,000 to $100,000. You can get a nice house for that. Now, you're not next to the ocean, but you are next to water, the White River. And you can go and you can check that out. You know, I mean, like it's there. But, uh, Value is different on houses depending on where they are. But you can get a really nice house in Muncie, Indiana, and you can save $1.7 million, okay, just by doing that. Now, there's a website called Zillow. Have any of you ever heard of Zillow before, okay? Uh, What you do is you take an address, you type it in, and then it gives you the value of that house. You can do that for your own house. But there is a house that I tried to plug in with the address of it, and I could not find how much it was worth. It's the only one that I know of uh, that you can't find the worth. And And it's the house that we talked about at the beginning of the teaching today, and that is Mount Vernon. Now, nobody here could afford it or could buy it because it's worth is not based upon its condition or its size. It's based on who it belongs to, and it belongs to our first president, George Washington. Folks, God's love for you is not based upon how pretty you are, how young you are, how smart you are, or how much you're connected in the community. Uh, His love for you is not based upon what car you drive or what house you live in or what your bankroll looks like. His love for you is based on this. You are a child of the king. You are the child of a king. You are a child of God. And that's what your value is. And it is priceless. God loves you, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. God loves you because you are his child. You are his child. 
Jesus put it this way in John chapter 14. Jesus said this, anyone, and that includes you, anyone who loves me, my father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. In other words, if you ask Jesus and his father to come and have a relationship with you, he says, we will come into your life. We will come into your home and be at home with you. Now, folks, this is something you need to know about me. I prayed that prayer. Jesus lives in me. And so you have to be careful how you treat me. Jesus lives in me, so you have to be careful how you treat me. I understand that I'm ragged, that I'm messed up, that I have a lot of ugly around the corners, but here's what you have to know also about me. I am worth more than Mount Vernon. Because someone greater than George Washington calls me home. And you know what? There is someone greater than George Washington that calls you home if you choose to have a relationship with him. But here's our problem. Here's our our big dilemma that each one of us have. And here's the problem that all of us have. That deep down inside, in a place where many times, as human beings, we do not necessarily want to talk about, we know that there's a lot about me, there is a lot about each one of you that is not lovable, that cannot naturally be loved by another human being. I mean, we say hurtful words, we do hurtful things, we cause pain to other people, other people hurt us, and we can get relationships very, very messy. And folks, I want you to know, I mess up relationships all the time. Sometimes I lack empathy, sometimes I lack kindness, sometimes I lack patience. I mean, I want to love exactly the way that Jesus loved people, but I suffer from something. I actually suffer from a syndrome, maybe you do as well. It's called SIS, and you know what it stands for? Spiritual Idiot Syndrome. Spiritual Idiot Syndrome. It's like God often will place people regularly in front of me and he will say, here's a person for you to love. Here's a person for you to love. Here's a person for you to love. And you know what I do? I totally ignore and I walk away and sometimes I show no love whatsoever. So let me ask you this morning, what about you? What about those of you in the balcony today? What about those of you here on the main floor? What about those of you on the stream? What about your life? What about the people that God places in front of you? How are you doing in loving them? Because the reality is, God is going to place this week a co-worker in front of you. He's going to place someone in your neighborhood in front of you. He's going to place somebody in front of you. And how will you love them? He's going to place maybe a parent of one of your kids' sports teams in front of you. How will you love them? 
Because life is all about love. So John goes on to say this. He says, Dear children, God's ragdolls, his old teddy bears, his ratted kind of raggedy blankets, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Now, of course, this is a problem for all of us because there are some people in our life that we can't love, right? There are some people who will irritate you. There are some people who will get on your last nerve. There are some people who will drive you crazy. So what do you do with the person who knows how to push every single button in your life and they're doing it on purpose? Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. In our own power, we can't. In our own power, we can't do this, but God can. We can't, but God can. We can't, but God can. We can't, but God can. He can give us another kind of love. So what I want to do is ask each one of you to join me next week as we'll be talking about boundaries and how to set healthy boundaries and to set limits. I mean, when someone is constantly crossing the boundary, when they're mistreating you, when they're violating you in some way, how do you deal with that? How do you handle that? Well, come back next week, bring some friends with you, and we'll talk about that. So this is how we're going to close uh, kind of Father's Day 2022 here at the Jar. I want to give you a moment right now to just be reminded that when the Heavenly Father thinks of you, when your Heavenly Father looks at you, what he sees is something of immense value. He sees you as priceless in this world. And when he looks at you, he actually gives you a phrase, a name, a treasured child of the Most High God. That's your name when God looks at you. He says you are a treasured child of the Most High God. You're prized. He gives you an agape type of love, another kind of love. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. God loves you exactly where you're at because you are valuable to him. You are priceless to him. You are his precious son. You are his precious daughter. You are a child of God. Let's stand. Who am I that the highest king would
Father, we thank you so very much that we are named a treasured child of the Most High God. And right now, God, uh, I just ask that you would be with each person who's here, that if they're struggling in any way, that God, you would uh, give to them right now a sense of your agape love, a love of another kind. If 
in some way right now, you, you want to be able to not only experience that love, but actually live out that love, to give that love to other people. And I would think that would be all of us to experience and receive God's love, that agape, another kind of love, and to give it to others. I invite you to simply raise your hand and let me pray for you. Loving Father, on this Father's Day, which brings so many different emotions, we ask God that you would come and help us to receive your love. And we thank you, God, that you never hold back your love for us, but you pour it out onto us, not because of what we do or what we don't do, but because we are a child of the Most High God. God, I pray that you would help us to value ourselves and then give the value of love away to each person who stands in front of us this week that you place into our path, that we would create value in them as we love the way that you love. I pray for each person, God, with a raised hand, that you would help them this week to live out agape love, love of another kind, so that your name would be made great. And I pray that you would do this for the glory of Jesus and for his honor. Amen. You can put your hand down. You know, maybe for uh, some of you, some of you on the stream, maybe uh, for some of you that are here today, the reality is when you think about it, you're like, man, I feel like that rag doll. I feel like that old teddy bear. I feel like that kind of ragged blankie that you were showing, Chris. And I just feel like in some ways that there's no way because of the things that I've done in my past that God would ever want to have a relationship with you. But I want you to know that he does. He loves you immensely and he has great things in store for you. And he desires to be able to remind you today that you are valued and you are created and he wants to do something new in your life. So today, if you are ready to be loved always with that agape type of love, if you're ready to surrender it to him and to say, Jesus, here is my life. I give it to you. I believe that I know who you say I am. And now today I give my life to you, but I need your forgiveness. God, I've messed up in some ways. I need a second chance. I need new life. God, come home in my life today so that I can live with you forever, both here and in heaven. If that's you today, then I want to invite you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but it's one that we pray together, all of us in one voice. And so I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me if you feel comfortable doing so. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, follow you, and serve you for the rest of my life. I know you love me. I know I'm your child. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.